I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The intellectual podcast starts now. Welcome back once again to the Intellectual Podcast. I'm Dave Dawson, and joining me is... Whitney Wegman-Wood. And uh, this is the second of our three Whitney solo episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So Exciting, uh, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's great <laughs> to see the little birdies fly. Aw, thanks. <laughs> um, so last week we had Michael Chance. Mm-hmm. And who who are we going to be uh, delighted with this week, Whitney? This week is Brian Evans, and he is a theater actor from here in San Diego. But he is also a mathematician, so it's a really interesting conversation. Cool. Well, we like having science-like folks on the show. He is Certainly definitely a science-like folk. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I look forward to hearing it. Wh- well, what all have you been up to lately, Wit? Me? Like yourself, outside of doing these three interviews. Like, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, the hustle. Uh, I've been driving up to L.A. quite a bit. Um, I've done a couple of auditions for various Comic-Con things and short films. Doing that um, actor thing. Doing that actor thing. I uh, I got new headshots from portraits by or headshots by Peggy. She also does portraits by Peggy, um, and they turned out really good. Like it, usually I hate my headshots, and uh, or at least like the last few rounds I've hated my headshots. And these, it I had to have lots of people consulted on. Okay, help me narrow this down somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. And even taking them to my agent, he was like, "Yeah, I can narrow it to about." It's 12 and you got to do the rest. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> thanks, man. And I'd already narrowed it down to 30 something, but yeah. So yeah, doing the acting thing. Well, it's good that there were 12 in there that your agent liked. Yeah. Right. So that tells you, that tells you how good Peggy is. Yeah. Yeah. Headshots by Peggy. Check her out. Yeah. She operates in both Los Angeles and, and San Diego. So, yep. Um, what about you? What you've been all over the place? Yeah, yeah, traveling. Uh, you know, last week when we uh, spoke for uh, the intro to Michael's episode, I was in Canada, and uh, this week I'm in Austin. So, you know, getting around. Yep, yep, getting around. But uh, doing that AV life thing, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be uh, working on a movie in July. So Ooh, that'll be exciting. We'll see how that goes. And of course, there's but, Comic-Con uh, in July. Which I might miss if I'm working on a movie. Oh, wow. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's all good. It is. Um, so we're going to get into your episode here real quick, but... Uh, you know, before we do, I just want to remind everybody that we're a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. And if you're enjoying our podcast, The Intellectual, I hope that you go over to GunnaGeek.com and check out a bunch of other incredibly geeky podcasts uh, that uh, cover a whole host of things from television to comic books to uh, 
you know, how to make a podcast. So uh, be sure to check it out, gunnageek.com. And if you haven't been checking it out, go to theintellectual.com and check out our pop culture podcast that we recently relaunched, the Sci-Fi Sunday podcast, which uh, Whitney is occasionally a host on. And uh, we have a whole slew of folks who contribute to that with us. So Yeah, uh, all the nerds we know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nerds unite. (laughs) But uh, for now, let's get back into your interviews, shall we? Sounds good. Let's go. So kick it off. Who are we talking to? We are talking to Brian Evans. All right. On the Intellectual Podcast. We'll see you soon. Hello, everyone. This is Whitney Wegman here, and I am here with Brian Evans, who is a local San Diego theater actor. Hello, everyone. Hi. So, Brian, um, I guess a good way to start this is, uh, so you're, you work in theater yes. for, for the most part. I, yep. Soon, probably film and stuff a little bit. I have tried to get into film, but I've done a couple uh, YouTube video things, but my primary focus has been in the theater. Um, I've been in theater, oh God, uh, for about 30 years. If we don't count the, you know, second grade play or anything like that, I, I pretty much got started in college all those years ago. And uh, interestingly, I was getting a degree in applied math and theater was my minor and i realized this was a lot more fun than math and ended up getting my masters in musical theater tried to get my big break spent a year driving up to burbank every other weekend to audition never really caught it and so it's just become the thing that i do to keep myself busy and not going crazy in my evenings well you went right into the question i was going to ask was which is why you gravitated towards theater but yeah it was fun um, in high school i was more music uh, i played the clarinet i picked that up in about sixth grade and i was originally going to be a music minor um but to do a distribution requirement for the arts section of my my degree they i went to, to a college called harvey mudd they're a college of science and engineering but they require you to minor in the arts or humanities because they don't want to put out a bunch of CSEEs, you know, computer science, electrical engineering minor sort of mm-hmm. thing. They want you to have a decent understanding of the world around you that you're going to be doing your science in. So they make you take philosophy and humanities and arts and economics and all that stuff. And so to do out that arts, okay, I was going to be a music minor, and but I need something that wasn't part of my minor to be part of that arts distribution. And I took a theater class just on a lark and I realized, oh, I like this better. And so I ended up doing that. I ended up getting more credits in my minor than I did in my major by the time. The only reason I don't actually have a BA in uh, theater is because I was only taking the classes I wanted to take as opposed to all the classes they force you to take. Mm -hmm. I I know how to use a sewing machine. I wasn't going to take costuming because I've heard of all those horror stories (laughs) of you got to make a dart bag as part of a project and all that stuff. I know how to hang lights and I didn't want to take a lighting design class because I was never going to be a lighting designer, was never going to be a costumer. So I was just taking acting classes and makeup and history and aesthetics and script analysis and things like that. Um, And then I realized, okay, well, if I'm going to be doing this, might as well get my master's and that's what brought me out to San Diego uh, because San Diego State has a Master of Fine Arts in Musical Theater. Uh, At the time, there were one of only three colleges in the country that offered that. Uh, The other one was UNLV, and there was some private college in Chicago, I think, were the other two. 
I don't know what it is these days, mm-hmm. but still SDSU is one of the few places that you can get a degree specifically in musical theater. And so that's what brought me out here and just sort of stuck around. So wait, where were you hailing from before? I don't really know where Harvey Mudd is. Harvey Mudd is in Claremont, California. Uh, For those in the San Diego area, that does not mean Claremont, San Diego. This is the one up north inland around Laverne and Pomona. Uh, Many people might have heard of the Claremont Colleges. They've probably have heard of Pomona, which is one of them. There's like these five little colleges, Pomona, Pitzer, Harvey Mudd, Scripps, and Claremont McKenna. They're sort of on the Oxford system. They share resources, but they're independent colleges. And if you're going to one, you can take classes in the other, which was how I was taking these theater classes. Harvey Mudd does not have a theater department, but I was taking them at Pomona College. And if you're up to it, you could conceivably double major. And then I realized, nope, that ain't going to happen because four hours of homework a night from Harvey Mudd (laughs) and then four hours of rehearsal. If I was doing that, no, no, that wasn't going to work. So I just minored. And kept on there. That's really nice yeah. that they encourage that, though. Yeah. I mean, more and more, you know, they're going from STEM to STEAM and adding yeah. in the arts. Yes. And um, that seems to be a nice way of, well, one, I think sometimes uh, overly intellectual science folks have a <laughs> bit of a challenge communicating their well, ideas. I would, yes and no. I, I That's very interesting that you say that. Since I have a degree in applied math and another degree in, in musical theater, I've always kind of thought if I won the lottery and had money, I'd go back to school and get a sociology degree in the overlap between the arts and the sciences. Because my, from my own personal experience, and so therefore this is not an actual you know, studied thing, I have noticed that people in the sciences usually have some artistic outlet that they do. Mm-hmm. They'll play the piano, they'll paint, they'll do something artistic. The other way is not nearly as common. Artists don't do chemistry (laughs) or that sort of thing. I mean, they might be kind of interested. It's certainly with the advent of computers. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are into the computer science stuff and that's, and that's definitely part of it, but they're not really doing things like, you know, physics. They don't read the physics articles that come out the way uh, that sort of thing. My personal feeling is that it sort of has to do with startup costs. Yeah, it's it's hard to have chemistry as a hobby. Exactly. If you're going to play the guitar, if you want to learn to play the guitar, all you really need is a guitar and time. Mm -hmm. You, yes, training and having someone teach you will make the process go faster. You'll learn a lot more. You'll probably be a lot better at it. But if you're just willing to noodle around on the thing, you will eventually learn your way to play the guitar and there are certainly plenty of guitar players who play by ear and stuff like that similarly with piano if you're willing to just practice you can get skills if you're going to get into chemistry you need a lab you need chemicals it's a lot more difficult to actually get to that point and and do that stuff and and the teaching will again makes it a lot easier it's harder to do that from the sciences than it is from the arts it's just my personal feeling and there's also just sort of an attitude aspect of it. You, you get sort of the two clash at mm-hmm. each other quite a lot. The, the scientists think the artists are all these ethereal ah, sort of thing. <laughs> hippy dippy. Hippy dippy. And the artists all think that the scientists are cold, no feeling. They wouldn't know anything about it. And having played on both sides, I had it on both sides. Because <laughs> um, at one point I was at UNM and I was uh, uh, doing some work there. And there was a class there called Introduction to the Mathematical Professions. 
And it was there to say, okay, now that you have your degree, what kind of job are you going to get with a math degree? What, what, you know, if you're a physicist, if you're a chemist, you're an engineer, those have very clear ideas as to what it is that you're going to do. Math, what do you do with a math degree? So they had people come in and talk. Well, the professor wanted to get an idea of what the class was like. So he went, you know, what's your major, what's your minor and blah, blah, this. And so I was, uh, uh, I put down, you know, math and theater and he's going through the statistics. Okay, so we have all of these math degrees and we have some people are minoring in computer science and some people are minor. They had some music minors and people understood that. And then I'll never remember this. And then we have this theater minor and everybody, <laughs> including the professor, just starts laughing. And I'm just going, hey, hey. So then about the same time, I wanted to take an acting class. And it, according to the handbook was open to everyone. You needed to audition. You needed to give a passable audition to get into the class, but it wasn't restricted to just theater majors. And so I get Mona, gave my audition. And at one point, one of the professors, it was like the day before the audition, saw me in the halls and she said, you're Brian, right? Yes. You're auditioning for the acting class, right? Right. Why? because it's the next acting class in the schedule and I've done the others. Yeah, but that's, you're not a theater major. It's like, yeah, and, and I didn't get in. And I was told specifically it's because I wasn't a theater major. And because if you were serious about- not because about, of your audition. Not because of the audition. They said, you gave a passable audition. We would have accepted you, but you're not a theater major and we didn't want you taking the place of a theater major who needed the course. Yeah. And I was there thinking, um, well, if the theater major couldn't outdo the non-theater major, maybe they need to go back <laughs> to sophomore acting and take yeah. it again. So, yeah. So that, so I, I, I understand to a degree why they do it, but I have just met so many people who do cross both sides. Because, um, oh, what, Brian May, the guitarist from Queen. Oh, yeah. 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 He's a guitarist for Queen and he's a PhD astrophysicist. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, I knew that. So it happens and it happens a lot. And I would love to study how science people view the arts and how arts people view the sciences and what motivates them to do why they do what they do. Well, I mean, I don't I don't know if you uh, I don't know that you've met my husband, John, but he's sort of that type of I mean, he's a physics is mm -hmm. his background. But he also plays guitar mm -hmm. and is a very, very good musician. Um, but then whenever we met, like the, our first conversation was about physics. And yeah. so because I have an interest strictly in the theoretical, when he starts talking about the mathematical portion, I just sort of glaze over. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's an X something and uh, yeah. the, the bosons. And I'm just going to repeat what you said and nod my head. Yeah. But um. You know, I think that was part of our attraction is like I had enough interest in the sciences that I thought what he did was super cool and he has enough interest in the arts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's sort of that nice yeah. merging. And uh, he, he helps me all the time with, you know, acting thing. And it's really funny because if he's reading sides for me, he gets so into it, <laughs> like comes up with little yeah. voices yeah. and it's, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. So yeah. It's amazing when you put someone on the spot like that, suddenly it's like, well, where did that little actor come from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fun. Exactly. I think, and it sort of goes back a little thing. I think one of the easier sciences out there is astronomy. Because if you do see someone who's into science and they're not really a scientist, they probably know a little bit about about astronomy because again the startup costs are pretty cheap um a cheap telescope 
yeah. is not that hard. And you just need to be willing to go outside and look up. And most people can go outside and look up. So that's that's sort of where I'm coming from and why I sort of have these both things. I, I did a little bit of both and liked them both. And I'm this weird person now. Well, and I can see how it would be pertinent to have both because if you're making innovative scientific discoveries or creating, you know, new new things, new uses for the sciences that we have, yeah. you need to have that um, imaginary, imaginative yeah. side of your brain, right? And certainly the technical aspects of the arts these days are just, oh my God, you do with right. lighting designers and being able to deal with how do you deal with your electricity grid and how do you patch these things together? And you may not necessarily be the most amazing electrical engineer in the world, but you, I've, you know your system and you know how it works and you know how to patch everything together so that mm -hmm. everything is going the way it needs to go. And so I have tremendous respect for the technical side of the theater and the science that's involved. There's a reason that there are the technical awards for the Oscars and dealing with that stuff. There is a lot of science in the arts. So... I, I, I no diss of anybody anywhere. Do what you need to do. And it's amazing. And teach everybody else how to do what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so something that you said uh, a few moments back about, you know, coming into mud and everything. Where were you coming from? Are you a California native? I or? am technically a California native, but I'm an Air Force brat. Okay. So I'm from everywhere. Um, I was born in Sacramento, but then we moved to uh, Dayton and then Omaha and then Vegas that was a switch. Yeah. <laughs> Omaha to Las Vegas uh, and then Albuquerque. And then I came out to Claremont to do my undergrad. Uh, I went back to Albuquerque and then here to San Diego. And I've been living here in San Diego for, oh gosh, 25 years now. It's the longest I've ever lived in one spot ever in my life. It's weird. <laughs> I, I don't understand. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's my... Are you, are you still content in living in this one spot or do you get um, um, fidgety when you stay somewhere too long? It's, it's, it's interesting. There are times where I think I got over it when I finally got rid of the last box. I had a box that I had packed up when I moved out here from Albuquerque and I went into my first apartment in when I got here to San Diego and then it moved to my second apartment and then into my current condo and I had never opened it from when I had originally packed it all those years ago. And it finally dawns on me as I'm cleaning out, if you haven't opened this box in 10 years, there's probably nothing in it that you really need. So stop hanging on to it like, well, I'm keeping it packed because I'm gonna be moving soon and therefore it'll save me from unpacking it and just get rid of it. Put your roots down. If you need to move, you move. If Steven Spielberg calls you tomorrow and says, we need you in our next show. If, if you know, Tommy Toon or Lin-Manuel Miranda says <laughs> where, you know, or something happens at the Globe and we're moving to Broadway and, you know, that'd be wonderful. Uh, then deal with it then. But for right now, just be content with where you are and do what you need to do to establish yourself here. So it's it's been fun. When you unpacked that box, was there anything in there that you needed? Oh God, uh, <laughs> there were some records, vinyl records, and I don't have a record player anymore. I got rid of the record player. I think I still have the records. I kept them just in case, but it was like, you know, awards from like when I was in second grade, which at the time when I packed them, when I was leaving home for college in the first place, kind of made a little sense, but it's like, eh. So I think the only things in it that were still left, I kept my, Boy Scout uniform and my uh, my letter jacket. 
which I lettered in band. So <laughs> marching band and symphonic band. Yeah. And, and the records, I think that was the only thing I kept in that box. I feel you there. I think I still have my letter jacket, probably at my parents' house. I have mm. a lot of trophies and yeah. things, uh, Band and track and ah. theater. No, I had a, a letter for theater too. Okay, cool. So three. Yeah. Three letters. All right. I only had the one for band. For band. Yeah. Hey, so. You got to have a jacket for it. Though. You can't just have the thing. Oh, see, oh. there's my phone. And right. now what we're going to do Let's is take pause, a pause for a brief moment and say that I don't care about this phone. Ring your muted and all that stuff. And we're going to do it Aha, uh-huh, there we go. There we go. Sorry about the interruption, folks. We are clearly doing this at my home, and I left the phone on for some reason and didn't realize that. So, yeah. No worries. Uh-huh. We can edit it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, okay. So, you moved out here from Albuquerque. Yes, in 94. In 94. And... You moved out here for a mathematics job? For grad school. For grad school. For grad school. So I was going to SDSU to get my MFA in musical theater okay. at the time. Uh, it was headed by Paula Kloustian, Rick Seamus, and Terrence O'Donnell. They were the three big ones of the musical theater department. At the time, uh, uh, Paula ran the, uh, she was the artistic director of the theater in Old Town. Um, which is now Signet's home. Um, she has since stopped. And that was one of the things that really, I didn't quite realize this at the time. Um, USD, their master of fine arts and acting is connected to the old globe. Okay. And so if you're one of their students, you will be performing at the old globe, not necessarily in the great big old globe shows, but they will have their master stuff that goes on. And since everybody's there, you might get put in as, you know, a minor role for the Shakespeare thing that's goes on or if they need other people because they have, a, hey, we need someone to fill out this role. Well, we have a troop of actors who are here all the time and we don't have to pay them housing. So we'll put them in there. Uh, UCSD, their master of fine arts and acting is connected to the La Jolla Playhouse. Same thing. So is San Diego State connected to the theater in Old Town? No. Despite the fact that the head of the musical theater department is the artistic director of the theater in Old Town at the time, they were not connected. They were not connected with any theater at Hmm. the time. And since you needed an internship, it's like, okay, we really are out on our own to try and find what it is that we're going to do. I was very fortunate um, at the time the Royal National Theatre in London was having uh, summer acting course work and stuff. And so I auditioned and I managed to get in and I got to work with Fiona Shaw and uh, actually, was it was it Heltuck? No, not Heltuck. Um, sorry, I, I have this poster of a theatre show that I saw that I when I was there, but uh, I forget his name. But all these people that work with the Royal National in London that we were dealing with this with their summer acting program, but there was no local thing. I think they're connected to the uh, San Diego Rep. So the San Diego Rep or the San Diego Musical Theater, I think they have a connection now to an actual theater mm-hmm. so that they say, oh, we need actors or people who can sort of push it there. But yeah, at the connection time, to, to something. Professional. And the, it, exactly. And there wasn't one. And when I was there, it was like, ugh, anger and hostility. But, you know. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Those things happen. Yeah. So you got to study in London for a summer? For a summer, yes. How was that? Oh, that that very expensive, both for the cost of the program and just living in London at the time. They had a little hostel that they were putting us in, so they gave us room and board. But London is not cheap. New York is not cheap. <laughs> Anywhere you would do this, it would not be cheap. But it was very intense. It was all day. Um, my 
but the big story that I had out of it is that Alan Rickman ran into me. I did not run into him. He ran into me. We were going to see, I think it was Richard second with Fiona Shaw playing Richard. So it was either Richard two or Richard three. I forget which one, but she was playing it. Um, but it was happening right after the coursework ended for the day. So there's no time to get any food. You have to immediately go from the studio where we're doing our work to the theater and get in there during intermission. I am standing in line at the concession line to get a sandwich and something because I haven't eaten since lunch and it's now nine o'clock when suddenly I feel someone run into me from behind and I hear a very British voice say, excuse me, and wander off. And as I'm sort of picking myself up off the floor, one of the other students is there and says, oh my God, do you know who that was? <laughs> I said, no, because I was the one he ran into. He said, that was Alan Rickman. Now, this was 1995, so this was long before Harry Potter and all the wonderful things. And so my first reaction was, who? Die Hard! He was the bad guy in Die Hard! Hans Gruber! And he's just like, oh, Alan Rickman ran into me! <laughs> so <laughs> that's my, and the other nice thing, this is a wonderful acting exercise that we did while we were there. And Fiona Shaw taught this to us. So anybody out there who is doing who is doing acting classes, if you have if you are leading it or if you're taking one, you have one suggest this to your teacher. She had us break up into pairs. One person is sitting down blindfolded. The other has been given a painting. They need to describe the painting to the blindfolded person. Without using any words. They can make whatever sound they want <laughs> and locate it in space, however it is that they want to do, but they can't actually use words to describe the painting. They have to give this emotional, visceral attitude. Can't touch them, just through sound, describe the painting. And then afterwards, we all come back. We have the person who was blindfolded sitting down. The person is behind them, holding up the painting behind their head. And then the person needs to say, what do you think the painting was to everybody else? And that way you can get their reactions oh. as they're trying to deal with that stuff. And in general, everyone's going to fail miserably at this point. But for mine, oh my God, I, I had this attitude of, okay, there's this famous painting called Nightmare where there's this woman, she's on a bed, she's in this diaphanous gown, there's these curtains and there's this skeletal horse's head that's like coming through the bed curtains okay. sort of thing. But I know you wouldn't give us a famous painting, so I know it's not that. And Fiona's like, um, yes, go on. <laughs> so tell us what you think it is. Since you know it isn't that, what is it? And it's like, ah, okay, well, it's in black and white. And there's some sort of primal thing going on, some something sexual. There's there's a bed. I can't get this bed image out of my head. And there's people, and it's it's at night, and I'm looking at everybody's eyes, and they're just getting wider and wider <laughs> and wider. And after I turn around, and indeed, it wasn't nightmare, but it was this picture, this black and white picture, very diaphanous, of this couple that were on a bed possibly in Congress, you really couldn't quite tell, but because of the gauze and the curtains and the window and the moon at night, and everyone's going, oh my God, how did you do that? And it's like, yeah, but he's the one who was making the noise. And she pointed out, yes, but you were the one who was listening. 
and you figured out what it was that he was saying and you got it through. So I think that's an amazing exercise to do on how to listen. Yes, it's also good for how to communicate, but it's also just as good on how to listen to your scene partner and what they're doing and figuring out their intentions and their emotions behind their delivery so that then you can react to it appropriately. So do you remember what the noise was? The, the noise, he was, he was doing things like, sort of thing. So yeah. I'm saying there's some sort of sex thing on there. And I don't know why I thought it was at night, but it, cause this was, you know, like 20 years ago, but yeah, it, it was amazing. It was, <laughs> he, he did an amazing job of describing it. And the fact that you felt like it was black and white. Yeah. You know? And well, and those sorts of little things because he wasn't doing very colorful sounds. It was very muted, closed uh -huh. type of stuff. So if it wasn't necessarily black and white, it was, you know, in and intimate. It wasn't loud and broad and out to the world. It was in and internal. And those things happen. And so even if it weren't in black and white, just the shadow cast made a, might have made it more of a, a sepia tone or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah. Something muted color. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Yeah. That's a fascinating exercise. Yes. Everyone should try it. Is that, do you know, does that come from a, a specific um, uh, school of theater? Yeah, like technique, or I, is that something that she came up with? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, I think I still have my notes from what, because I had to do with a report for my internship. I might be in my notes somewhere, but I don't have it. So, but it's, it's. I've never, I've never seen anybody else do it. And I've done some Meisner and I've done a lot of Stanislavski and stuff like that. And I've never seen anything like it before. So it was Brit. She's, she's a brilliant actress and everyone should watch what she does. She's one of my favorite actresses. Really neat. Is she, where is she now? Fiona Shaw. She's still in the UK. Oh. Um, she is currently doing Killing Eve. As last I, oh. last I saw her, she is the MI6 head who ha hired uh, Sandra O's character of Eve Plastery. So okay. she's doing that. What else she's doing? Well, you know, it's British TV. They do seven episodes and then they take a year and a half off. <laughs> right. And then they'll do another eight. In some sense, I kind of like the way that the Brits do that, is that we're going to create a story and it's going to have however many episodes we need to tell that story. And we're not going to pad it and we're not going to do that. And we're going to, you know, try and have somewhere around eight or so. And then that's it. And then we're going to go off and we'll figure out another story. And once we get a good story, we will then write it to however many episodes mm -hmm. we need it to be. And we'll hopefully have everybody come back and do it. And so I, I kind of like that as an attitude for doing story. It's a lot more serialized movie than necessarily yeah. television. Um, well, so now that there's all the streaming, there are actually shows that are starting to do that. Um, I think of... Uh... Mind Hunters. Did you mm. ever watch that one? I unfortunately not on any streaming services. So I, I hear about them. I want to see them. Things like Sensate mm -hmm. and uh, Black Mirror. I think oh, is kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Mind Hunter. What was fascinating is episode to episode. It's different lengths. Like some of them are forty minutes. Some of them are an yeah. hour ten. Yeah. You know, it's just however long they needed. And yeah. They don't really adhere to a sixty-minute uh, serial drama. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well. Good. And yes, there, <laughs> there, yeah, I think that's a very smart way to do everything. Not everything has to be that way. Yeah. Because uh, episodic television works. There's a lot of really good episodic television out there. And this is one of those artistic things where you, when you impose a set of rules upon what you're trying to do, 
it frees you up for a lot of other things and constrains you for mm -hmm. others. And if you work what I like to call positively within the rules, you can create brilliant things. I mean, a sonnet has a very specific structure, 14 lines. The first two lines rhyme, the second two lines rhyme in a different way and so on, and you do it that way. And yes, very restrictive, but if you do it right and you pay attention and you work within the rules, you get brilliant stuff. Blank verse, something, you know, you're not gonna get, you know, the Odyssey or the Iliad out of it with this blank verse epic poetry stuff, but you weren't trying. That's not what the point was. We were trying to do this other thing. So everything has a place. A movie has a place. These variable length episodic things have a place. These, nope, we're doing a 22 minute sitcom. Mm -hmm. It has its place. And again, everybody does what they want to do and make it good. Yeah, different yeah. forms. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you went, you studied in London. Yes. And then you came back here. Yes. And I... I assume you, you graduated from your master's program yes. at some point. Yes. What was your next step? Like, how did you launch into doing this I, in the I real world? I started reading Backstage West for all the various audition notices. And um, was since I live here in San Diego and in the 90s, very little was being cast out of San Diego. I don't think much is really cast out of San Diego anyway. So everything was all up in L.A., Burbank, usually. So I'm driving up to Burbank every other weekend or so. To, I know that feeling. <laughs> to get up there and you do your little call. And unfortunately, I wasn't equity at the time since San Diego State is not affiliated with any professional theater thing. It's not like you're going to walk out of there with your equity card from having gotten that uh, sort of thing. And so I'm not equity. I'm doing all the non-equity stuff. And it was the same thing almost every single time. One of the nice things about getting an MFA is that you have this huge repertoire of songs that you can use for a musical theater audition. And so you take a look at what it is that they're doing. And so um, they're casting Whistle Down the Wind, Andrew Lloyd Webber's new musical at the time, Whistle Down the Wind and stuff like that. So I go in there and I can think, okay, well, if this is the story breakdown and this is the character breakdown of what it is, what song that isn't from the show could I sing that embodies that sort of thing? Mm -hmm. And with you, I have this huge library of music that I can deal with. So I'm pulling all this stuff out. I go and I sing my 16 to 32 bars and almost always they'd say, I've never heard that song before. What's that from that? And they're getting into it. There's like, you know, and I, at one point I had, I was, I did an Irving Berlin song. Um, I think, was it, was it Snooky Uckums? I think it was, it, I think it was, it was, it was either Snooky Uckums or the funnies. I can't remember which one, but it was this Irving Berlin song. And the auditioner's like, I thought I knew Irving Berlin. You say that's an Irving Berlin song? Yes, it is. It is. I thought I knew every Irving Berlin song out there. I don't know this one. What is it? So we're getting, we're doing this back and forth. I'm thinking, yes, this is wonderful. Can you wait outside for just a couple minutes? Sure. And I go outside and I sit a couple minutes. And after a couple minutes, they come out and say, thank you very much. We'll let you know. <laughs> what happened? What happened in those two minutes when I wasn't in the room that changed you from we love him to we never want to see him again. <laughs> and, so, and it was just about a year of that, of going up and not getting called and not getting called and not getting called. And it's like, okay, well, I need a job to pay the bills, especially if I'm going to be driving up to LA all the time. And I just did not want to move to LA. I like San Diego. San Diego is nice. It's a big little city. Yeah. So 
it's got a lot of the benefits of being in California, Southern California, without the horrendousness that is that can be Los Angeles. I, I don't want to diss too hard on L.A. because I saw La La Land. I liked La La Land. <laughs> La La Land reminded me that L.A. has a lot of good things about it. Not enough to make me want to live there. But the Griffith Observatory and the the view into the valley and there's there's and there's a lot of jazz out there in Los Angeles and I like jazz as a musical form and so there's a lot there but it's like ah but I don't yeah I've driven through LA and everything everything is a fight <laughs> it was, yep. to my mind living in LA everything is a fight and I didn't want to put up with that you know how different cities have personalities yeah like I I always imagine LA is like this aging starlet and most of the time it's like resting bitch face <laughs> but once in a while you have those moments where she tells you a real good story or sh- shows you some <laughs> neat thing that you're like oh I didn't know about that and it's like oh now I can see how you used to be a nice person pleasant person before the world ruined you. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel about LA. Yeah. So, and I didn't want to do that. And and there's a lot of good stuff in Orange County too. Orange County is sort of like an LA light. Yeah. Uh, and my friends live in Orange County. A lot of my friends from college settled into Orange County. And I've seen some stuff at uh, Laguna Playhouse and a lot of that stuff. But it, I just liked living in San Diego. It's so nice here. Um, so what's the weather like in San Diego? Nah, morning clouds leading to afternoon sun, highs in the 70s, overnight in the 60s. And it's like that almost all year round. Yeah. And it's it's big enough that there is indeed substance because we have the Globe and we have the Playhouse and we have Signet and, and the theater in Old Town and, and the, musical theater, the San Diego Musical Theater now and the Rep and North Coast Rep and, and uh, Moonlight. There's a lot of good theater here. And honestly, like yeah. it's it's a good good as far as like the um, the quality of theater because yeah. it's a, it's testing ground. Yes. So much stuff that goes to Broadway and off Broadway. Exactly. And- the Globe and the Playhouse. In fact, um uh my uh, a friend of my boyfriend's is the was the uh involved with uh, Come From Away. Mm-hmm. And he has a Tony because he was the I, I can't remember if he's the director or the producer I think he was the director of Come From Away he's like I know someone with a Tony I've been to his house I've met so we, we had Christmas together and so I keep asking him so uh, if you need someone to be second <laughs> spear holder from the left in your next production you know that I'm here right I'm not asking you to cast me just get me into the damn audition if you could please the globe just had open auditions um earlier in the year and uh, i don't want to call out the globe globe if you're listening good work obviously you're a successful theater but um i there were a lot of theater friends that i know that would audition for the globe and the playhouse this is a problem with the playhouse too where they're just not getting called back and not getting called back and not getting called back until they put a 213 area code on the phone number for their resume. And suddenly they now appear that they're from Los Angeles Mm -hmm. as opposed to being from San Diego. And suddenly they're getting called back. So the Globe had an open call because they, I think they kind of noticed it themselves. We, We call ourselves a San Diego theater why do we only cast out of Los Angeles? So they wanted to get more local talent. 
Well, they were a little surprised when they did their audition that not very many local talent showed up. And that's because in their original call, they said it was equity. And if you're not equity, yeah, we'll see you when we have the chance. But that pretty much means you're going to be sitting around for five hours waiting for them to have a gap in the thing. And you're probably not going to get seen. So then they decided, no, we're going to specifically have an open call. By open, we mean open. If you're not union, please come. Obviously, union, you can come too, but we're going to see you in, in order. order that you show up. That line, I again, I waited four and a half hours, and I was there early before I finally got seen. And they were wondering, where did all of these people come from? <laughs> so why weren't you at our other call? Because this one was apparently the non-union one. And they had so many. They said, we need a second one in order to get through everybody. that we Because we want to see everybody to fill out. We're doing all of these outreach programs that we're doing. And we need people to do all this other stuff. Please come. So the Globe is, I think, working again towards doing a little bit more outreach to local actors and get them involved. That's which great. Is a good thing. Because, yeah. you know, it, unless you're getting hired by an equity theater, yep. that's really hard to get your equity card when you're first getting your foot in the door so that's nice that they're doing that the catch 22 of the union you oh, can't get a union <laughs> can't get a union job unless you're part of the union but you can't join the union until you have a union job yeah Ugh! same so, on the film side so. yeah yeah <laughs> across uh, the board at least i think they still do the sister stuff right so that if you're a member of sag aftra you can sister into equity well they merged so that's oh, no longer that's a right thing. okay that's but there, right once upon a time yeah. it was well, aren't, isn't there, aren't there some other ones? There's a couple other unions. Um, I forget. They're, they're, they begin with an A. Yeah. Because there's, there's some association. There's yeah. ways there and about. But yeah, it's still, there's some there's catch-22-ness about it. Yeah. I would love to get into voice because for my day job, I ended up doing um, uh, user support for a military contractor. And one day... Uh, one of the uh, uh, project managers, one of their projects was to create a, a computer training. And so they needed someone to be reading the instructional material. And they said, Brian, you're an actor, aren't you? Why, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> would you like to do the voice for this? Why, yes. Yes, I would. Because <laughs> one of the other uh, employees was in a band and he had a recording studio. So they were going to get him to do the recording. They were going to get me to do the reading. And I did an awful lot of voiceover work for the military on this things for family advocacy and victim preparedness and analysis, stuff like that. So it's like, oh, yes, cool. And I forgot to save all of my audio so I don't have a oh, real. No. I was like, oh, all this really good real stuff that I could have had and I don't have it. <sighs> could you oh, well. contact someone from it's unfortunately it's been so long that yeah. they I, I did at one point I because I was sort of realizing okay I'm do, I for a while I had my own podcast well maybe I'll do my own reel and get this stuff do you still have the audio stuff no we don't still have that we just have the hard CD itself we don't have the original audio files so I'll figure it out I'll put together I may ask you how do I put together a voiceover reel? And you might help me. If well, I... yep. I know many a person who can help actually. <laughs> okay, cool. and, and nicely. So with this podcast, uh, we've, we've had this fortunate experience of a lot of times when people come on and they talk about like what their desires and wishes are, mm -hmm. it just comes to fruition because cool. it gets out there in the universe. Yes. So uh, right now we're saying out there to the universe, you want to get into voiceover, people who are listening, who are involved with voiceover, 
listen to the beautiful timbre of this man's voice. Yes. You know that you need him for your next commercial. I can do the radio voice if you need me. <laughs> and I can also do, you know, crazy stuff. And I don't always have to talk directly into the mic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're putting it out there. Yes. It's out there in the yes, universe. I'm so, um, wow. Okay. We, uh, we've been talking about a lot about the process and how mm -hmm. you got into this. So here we are 25, 25 years, years later. Yeah. You've been living yeah. here in San Diego. Um, what's, what's in your near future, recent past? What, what have you been well, up to? Uh, I just closed a production of the Fantastics at Point Loma Playhouse. It was the second and a half time that I've done this show. It was a little odd. Uh, the first time due to some interesting shenanigans and there's a story there that I don't particularly want to get into now. If anybody really wants to hear it, they can ask me, um, I had the part and then it was rescinded, not from anything that I did, just to let it, I wasn't like a bitch to the director or the producer or anything. There was some external things that happened and suddenly I was no longer cast. So I was like, okay, fine, um, I guess. And then I did it uh, about a dozen years ago at Coronado playing El Gallo. And then just now we just closed literally yesterday uh, the second was yesterday. Yes, yes, yesterday yeah. was the second uh, for Point Loma, where I was playing Bellamy. So I'm sort of slowly making my way through the men in the part. All the, all the roles, <laughs> yeah. Um, coming up next is I'm doing two shows at once. It's so nice that Fantastic's close because I was doing three at once. Um, I'm doing The Wizard of Oz up at uh, Patio Playhouse in the summer, their Kit Carson series, uh, where I'm playing the wizard. And then right after that, I'm doing Little Women playing Professor Bear again in Patio Playhouse in their summer series. Uh, after that, not quite sure. A lot of the theaters are just announcing their seasons for the next stuff. I know that uh, Palpac is going to be doing Nuts, uh, I think, at the beginning of the year. And that's a play that I've wanted to do for the longest time. I'm unfamiliar with that play. What is Nuts. That? It is about a uh, high-class prostitute who killed one of her Johns when he attacked her. And she is now under a psychiatric evaluation to determine whether or not she is competent to withstand trial. So it's about the trial and how she is very private and guarded and reserved about her life and what led her up to that stuff but that's what they need to know in order to determine and her parents are there and there's issues of the really bad relationship that she has had with her parents is that so and of course the psychiatrist is of the opinion well that's why you're a prostitute and so clearly you're not competent and yet she's like no i am indeed competent i just don't want to talk about my crappy parents, because that wasn't the reason. If you want to put me on trial, then put me on trial. I'm okay with that. Stop digging up crap that I don't want. It's, yeah. not, it's that play. And of course, her lawyer is very frustrated with this because he's trying to advocate for her, but she is refusing to give him anything to advocate. And her outbursts in the court are not helping her process. So they made a movie of it with uh, Barbara Streisand and Richard Dreyfuss. Okay. Those were the two. And the parents were Carl Malden and I think Maureen Stapleton. So they had a lot of powerful stuff. It's a great movie that they made out of this. Uh, it was originally a play. Palpac, please consider me. Obviously, they haven't even auditioned for yeah. it yet. It's way in the future. Yeah. But keep me in mind. 
I can do this. I can do this. Um, OB Playhouse, I was last Halloween last year uh, when they were doing the Rocky Horror Show. I was playing uh, Eddie and Dr. Scott. Oh, nice. They're going to be reviving it uh, in January. So depending upon how things go, I might be in this grand run of one show to the next one to the next one. And you, thankfully, just helped me to (laughs) record an audition for the Diversionary for uh, Head Over Heels. And hopefully we'll get that all edited together and submitted off. And that's not until next year as well. So there's a lot of stuff planned for next year. As for what's coming up, it's I, you, you read the trades, you see what's available, and you submit yourself for audition. Well, that is not a short list that you just <laughs> rambled off. I mean, you, you said that you like you went from having three shows, now mm-hmm. you're in two, and you're doing all these auditions. Like yep. that's you live in the life, man. You, you gotta live hustle, in the life. hustle, hustle, hustle. You are a good hustler. Um, okay, so a couple of things. Uh, the Patio Players, where is that? How can okay. people get tickets if they're oh, interested in seeing your um, shows? Patio Playhouse is up in Escondido. He said grabbing his phone in order to get the uh, specific information because <laughs> right, we I want don't... to make sure that you have the correct information there. Patio Playhouse in Escondido. I believe their website is indeed patioplayhouse.com. And they're on Facebook, of course. And Patio, come on. And how long? Well, how long do the okay. shows run? To so start? we'll start there. So it's they're short. They're the summer series is uh, only like three uh, bits. So why? Why? <laughs> it's okay. We can add it yeah, as add a link if you need to. So yeah. So there, there's only going to be there for a few weeks at a time. So it's like three weeks for Wizard of Oz, and then three weeks for. Uh, 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 Little Women. Wizard of Oz is from July 12th through the 27th. Okay. It plays uh, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sunday evenings. Sunday is not a matinee. Okay. Because it's an outdoor theater, and obviously we can't do it until it gets dark. So right. they all start at 8 o'clock. Little Women runs August 16th through the 31st. Again, it's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We open on a Friday, but other than that, and let's see here. So if you go to patioplayhouse.com, they'll have information. You can get tickets there. All right, as well. awesome. Now, what about for you? What if people just want to get a hold of you for whatever? They want you as a voiceover okay. performer or um, there's a couple ways to do that. I as a side project run the theater database for San Diego. It's something that we I have just started up. It's kind of an IMDB for the local theater scene. The That's idea great. is that if you want to find out who was in a play that you just saw, who directed it, who was in the orchestra, who was the lighting designer, who did the costumes and stuff like that. That is TDB, theater database, the number four, SD for San Diego.com, TDB, 4sd.com. You can reach me there, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at tdb4sd.com. And if you send that, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I will be happy to do whatever you think. I, there's, you know, various 48-hour film festival things and stuff that yes, if, there are. if you need someone to with at this point longer hair <laughs> they need the longer hair i needed the longer hair for fantastics they need the longer hair for uh wizard of oz it's probably going to get cut for little women uh but i'll be happy to do whatever it is that you want um also as a plug for myself i do music transcription 
If you are a musical theater person and you need to cut your song down to 16 bars or 32, send me your music. I will make it as an actual cut. If you need it transposed into a different key, I can do that as well. And that way you can then give it to your accompanist who's at that audition rather than having 14 pages of music and saying, we're only doing this little bit. And <laughs> so we're hop doing to here and hop, yeah, to yeah, here. hop to here and hop to here. This way you can give it to it as one or two pieces of music that they just start at the beginning, play through to the end. They don't have to do any page turns. Your accompanist will love you for this. So contact me. I have very reasonable rates at about five bucks a page until suddenly I get flooded and then it'll have to be more than that. But yeah, uh, if you have done theater work and you need to get into the database, contact me there and let me know about your show. I'm only doing theater. I don't do movies or, or YouTube videos or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, IMDb has that domain covered. Yes, that's IMDb. You do all that sort of stuff. But if you're a theater person, let me know. We'll get you into the base. Where hopefully, as I start programming more and more into this, we'll get things like bios. So you can have your headshot, your bio, any upcoming stuff that you're getting in there. So that it becomes more and more like a true... Database. database of of the local theater actor so, scene. I want to hear more about this. What what okay. made you think of this idea and how in the heck did you even start? Okay. Well, uh unfortunately my day job contract ended. I this contract that I was working with the military, the budget got cut by 60% and they laid off almost everybody. And alas, despite the fact that I was the most senior person at the company, I was one of the ones that they let go. So I've been looking for work and I decided, well, I do all this technical support. Why don't I learn how to actually design the website that I'm supporting? So I took a class in JavaScript uh, coding, a boot camp, full stack web development. And we got to the final project where this is sort of thing. And I had this idea for, hey, this will combine kind of like what I did before, my science and my arts put them together into something that's useful. Unfortunately, the other people were not in the team, did not particularly want to do that as their final project. So we didn't, but after we were done, I said, well, I have all this coding stuff. Why don't I code it together? It can be something I put in my portfolio when I'm looking for a day job and people say, oh, you do web design? Do you have something you can show us? Why, yes, yes, I do. So I mean, at the moment, I've got like a thousand people in there already um and about 50 ish productions that are in there and i've got uh, patio playhouse thank you very much for dumping all of your programs on me so i can get this information into the system and that's sort of where it came from is like i wanted to have something that i could do outside of theater that was connected to theater and hopefully the thought was well if i can get enough functionality into the system that people might consider subscribing for example if you're going to be an actor yeah and you want to have your headshot on my system we could have a subscription process for that something a friend of mine came up with what i thought was a really good idea would be like a lending closet for the theaters if you're a theater and you have say a 1940s vintage wheelchair that you're willing to loan out and another theater is doing a production of annie where we need to have fdr in a 1940s wheelchair Oh, they have this. You could come to the database yeah. and find out what are theaters willing to lend and establish that. Well, and that would be on par with like the IMDb professional subscription yep. where you could be able to contact. those. Exactly. Folks. And then it would hopefully be something where 
I could do it securely where you wouldn't have to give your direct contact information. We can do it through the site. So that mm -hmm. way we can help protect people from scams and things along those lines where if, you know, someone you, when you give your email out, that means people can contact you. So given that theater is filled with, alas, not so nice people, there are they do indeed out there. You, as an actor, you need to be very careful about how you present yourself to the world. You want to make sure that's why there are these people called agents, where if you want to contact your theater person, contact their agent and they can sort of establish being the middleman for that. And this would be sort of a way to help protect that as well is that, yes, you can put your information on the site have a way for people to contact you without giving them your phone number directly so that icky people call you at two in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Bad things. So. Well, man, that's a great idea. Yeah. Hopefully it takes off here in San Diego and maybe Hopefully. expands yeah. to even more theaters. Orange County, LA, yeah. Seattle. Regionally and then yeah. eventually like the whole country. Well, there is the Broadway database. There is already the IBDB for Broadway. And then that's also sort of where I got the idea because they're doing a very similar mm -hmm. thing. But that's, at least from what I've been able to tell, is just mostly informational. It's sponsored by, I think, like the Theater League. And so they're the ones that are paying for it. At this point, I'm the one that's paying for it. And so if you want to donate, I guess I should come up with a Patreon or GoFundMe yeah. campaign and do it that way to help pay the bills that's for essentially it. how the guy who started imdb got started he's just like he enjoyed having this information about movies and yeah. created the site and then you know eventually got to the point where well now there's you know commercials and stuff that yep. are pop-ups and yep. who knows who and, knows and now the world knows about it so if you want to sponsor the page or be the, <laughs> be the first commercial on the page brian at tdb4sd.com <laughs> All right. Well, we are getting to the end of our interview. Yes. Brian, it was so great talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears.